week we started talking about uh, being founded, and, and that's sort of based on as we're coming into a new year, you know, there's a lot of turmoil in the world right now, a lot of turmoil in politics. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but for those that, that weren't here last week, um, socially, culturally, politically, pretty much uh, with the pandemic, with all these things that are going on, there's a lot of turmoil, turmoil in the world right now. And, and uh, I think that uh, that kind of stuff that's going on can really drive many people out of their faith or away from their faith. And and uh, that's because I think that in the church in America for a long time, um, th there's been kind of a, a shallowness uh, to what we do. And, and we don't really dig down deep and really get founded in like we need to. And uh, so as we were coming into this new year, and again, I want to reiterate, I'm not saying this is some kind of prophetic, thus saith the Lord or anything, uh, because we have to be very careful about saying those things. But I've just, I, I've had a sense coming into this new year that that there are going to be those who get so shaken by the things that are going on in the world that, that they're going to end up just falling off this year and, and falling out of fellowship and, 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 and sliding back in their faith and all those kind of things. And so God kind of really laid it on my heart, I feel like, to, to preach some very basic core Christianity 101 type things in the first few weeks of this month just to refocus us on discipleship. Because we've not been called to be focused on all the things that are going on out there. We've been called to focus on Jesus. Amen. We've been called to focus on his word. We've been called to be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and all these other things, they drive in and they drive in and they drive in. And oftentimes they push God out to the side. And so we don't want to have that happen. So that's why I'm preaching these messages. By the way, if you didn't get notes for this morning, they're back there on the table. And if you ever get notes for a message, this is probably the week to get them. Because I've given you a small book this morning, I think, and and uh, only part of it am I going to cover in the message today. And then there's just some stuff in there I thought would be tools to kind of help you out a little bit in your own uh, personal studies. So I want you to have that. So even if you don't take all the notes from the message today, please grab a packet and take home that other stuff. I, I, I hope that it will be helpful to you. So, so the bottom line for this whole series uh, called founded, and, and this is that we become founded again, refounded in our faith in, in 2021. The bottom line of this whole thing is this. If you don't remember anything else I say, just remember this. Founded disciples grow in the soil of spiritual maturity. Founded disciples grow in the soil of spiritual maturity. Now, what does that mean? You become more founded in your faith the more spiritually mature you become. The more spiritually mature you become, the more founded you become in your faith. The, the less spiritually mature we are, we're going to be less founded and, and more prone to be shaken. Last week we were talking in the book of Ephesians how it talked about those that would be shaken by every wind of doctrine and those that would be shaken by lies that are told in such clever ways, which we have all over today. Let's just be honest. There, there are so many from every possible direction. There are lies and conspiracy theories and, and what people say is the truth that's not the truth and this week, I think I saw no less than three stories that were big stories, and everybody's like, oh, look at what's going on. And then, you know, like six hours later or the next day, they come out and go, oh, you know, well, that wasn't exactly true what happened. And so we have to be really careful. And, and, and in Ephesians, it tells us that the way that we, that we uh, get so founded in our doctrine and not be pushed here and there and tossed around is that, that we become um, spiritually mature, that we are growing in every way more and more like Jesus. 
And so our goal in 2021 is to grow to be more like Jesus. Now, some of you in this room, I know that you're very godly people. And I mean that. That's not a joking thing. There's, I, you guys in this room, you pursue Jesus, and I know that. But, there, but we're not there yet. Wherever we happen to be, there's always another level of spiritual maturity for us to roll on to. And the more mature we become in our faith, the more we will be grounded and the more that we will be founded. And so we're talking about four things in this series that help us to do that. And in those four things, we, we kind of hit right off the bat last week a little bit, and we'll give it to you today at the outset. Uh, the first one is daily time in God's Word. That's what we're talking about today. Then we're going to talk next week about prayer. And then we're going to talk about tithing and giving. Now, some of you will be like, what does that have to do with really being founded in my faith? You'll be surprised when I get to that part how key that really is to our faith. And then the last thing is fellowship, which is enjoying God's family. We, we need each other. You need me, and I need you. And without you, I am not everything I need to be in Christ. And without me, you are not everything you need to be in Christ. We need each other. That's why in the midst of everything that's going on right now, and again, you've heard me say this a thousand times. I'll probably say it a thousand times more. I do not care by what means or how we gather together. It's just important that we do. If we have to do that in certain ways or whatever, I'm not so concerned about that as I am making sure that we stay connected together because that brings strength to our faith. Amen? And so today... Um, I want, that's kind of the overview, and I want to jump right into the Word today. Point number one, if you're in your notes, is this. You have to be equipped by God's Word. There's no other means by which God has given us to be equipped in our faith other than God's Word. Okay? I'm going to say that again. There's no other means by which God has given us to be equipped other than God's Word. Without God's Word, we cannot be equipped to walk with Christ. Well, I got the Holy Spirit walking with me. Well, I got news for you. The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to, to guide you. And so the Holy Spirit is not going to do anything outside of what the Word of God has already laid out for us. So when we have prophetic words that are spoken, which I believe in, they have to be founded in the Word of God. When we have things happening in the church, we have to be able to make sure that those things are founded in the Word of God. Okay, we're Pentecostals here, unashamed of that. Spirit-filled believers, right? But we have to make sure that everything we do lines up with the Word of God. And if we get outside of that, we're going to find ourselves in trouble. And so we have to understand that the means that God has given us to be equipped is the Word of God. Yet oftentimes, the two main things that God has given us as weapons and tools to grow in spiritual maturity are the two things that most often we push to the side in our lives. Like we all know, I need to be in the Word of God. If you're a follower of Christ and I say, do you need to be in the Word of God? Yes, I need to be in the Word of God. Are you in the Word of God? Well, you know, sometimes. Right? The other one is prayer, which we're going to talk about next week. We know that prayer is powerful. We know that prayer shakes nations. We know that prayer changes things. We know that we should pray. Do all of you know you should pray? How's your prayer life? Right? Maybe it's good. I hope so. But listen, we have to be equipped in God's word. Now, in 2 Timothy verse 3, verse 16 and 17, it says this. All Scripture. Everybody say all Scripture. Not a little bit of it, not a part of it, not just the New Testament, not just the Old Testament. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the, excuse me, <clears throat> the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
How many of you want to be thoroughly equipped? I want to be a little bit equipped. I want to be thoroughly equipped for the good works that God calls me to. And so what he says, if you want to be thoroughly equipped in God's word, excuse me, thoroughly equipped in the things of God, you have to be thoroughly equipped with God's word. Now, why is that? Now, I know this is pretty basic for some of you, but this is great review. We, we, the reason that it is so powerful in our lives is because it is inspired by God. This is not just, it's just not just a thing. In my office, because I'm a book nerd, right, so I've got, you know, several hundred books in my office, and, and, and I, I love books. I love the smell of books. I love to read books. I'm always reading books. I love books, but any book I read doesn't compare to this one because we'll say, well, you know, there's this book, and then there's all the other books. No, you can't say this book and other books. There is no other book, in fact, 66 books, like this book because this book is inspired by God. When we talk about studying the Word, you know, I'm all for getting a commentary or, or, or listening to some good preaching or teaching or all those kind of things. But listen to me. What is inspired is the stuff that God has given us. And, and that word inspired there, most of you probably know that word inspired there means that it's breathed by God. In fact, that word inspired there, inspiration, is a very similar in, in, in Greek, which I'm not going to go into today, is very similar to the Holy Spirit. When, when we, we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's the breath, the, the pneuma, the breath of God. And it says that the word of God was inspired because God breathed on men and they wrote down what God told them to write down. And this is directly from people are like, well, I just wish God would come down and talk to me. Oh, God, just let me hear. Oh, God, I wish I could just hear your voice. Okay, well, good. Open up the book and read it. And no matter where you open it up to and read it, you will be hearing God's voice. You'll be hearing what he said or what he's saying. And a lot of times, you know, as Pentecostals, we're like, I need a prophetic word or I need, I need a, a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. And, I'm, I'm, again, I'm all for that. But listen to me. We push the word of God aside for those things. We'll find ourselves in trouble. We have to be in this word because it's inspired by God. Now, that inspiration, what does that inspiration do to us? If you, have, if you have your notes there, just underline this in your notes or in your Bible or whatever. It says that you will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, what does it do to equip us? What does the Word of God do to equip us? Because here's another thing we do. I'm going to open up and I'm going to read the Word because I just need a little bit of encouragement. I need, I need a little bit of joy today. That, and that's good, right? If, you, if you're having a str struggling along, open up to the Psalms and just read until you find what you're going through. Because everything that we go through is in the Psalms there, right? But, but listen, when it says that we were thoroughly equipped, look at the words that it uses in that verse. It says, it's profitable for doctrine. What we believe matters. What we believe matters. What you believe about God matters. What you believe about the church matters. What you believe about the Holy Spirit matters. What you believe about the fellowship of the saints matters. It all matters. Because we can take the word and we can twist it and make it something that it's not. And then you, you find all these different cults out there, right? And they'll say, well, we're, we believe in Jesus just like you do. But you find out they don't because their doctrine is skewed from what the word of God teaches us. Listen, this is not a denominational doctrine, although I believe the church of God has pretty good doctrine. It's not a denominational doctrine. It's not a church doctrine. It's God-inspired doctrine that we are given in the word of God. Amen? And when we, when we follow that doctrine, then what does it say? Underline this in your notes. For reproof. 
for reproof. Now, what is reproof? Reproof is, hey, when I was a little, once in a while I get a hand and my mom and dad would reprove me on the backside. Because I, I was going this way, and they say, no, you don't want to go that way. You want to go this way, and you got about three seconds to do it. And if you don't, I'm going to reprove you. How often is the word of God reproving you is my question. If you look up that, that actual word in the Greek, which I'm not going to bring up here today for time's sake, but it means criticism, criticism, criticism for a fault. Now, what do we do in the church? Don't judge me. Don't criticize me. Listen, the word of God ought to be criticizing you every time you open it up for some way or another. Because that's how we get thoroughly equipped. Well, I don't want to be criticized. Then you don't want to become spiritually mature. Because when we allow the word of God to criticize us, when we allow the word of God to rebuke us, which also is part of that definition, a rebuke, when we allow the word of God to rebuke us and we respond to that, then we grow more and more founded and we grow in our spiritual maturity. Amen? It says not only for reproof, it says but for correction. For correction. When I was in school, you fill out the math problem, and when you get it wrong, the teacher goes, boop, boop, and puts a check mark next to it. Says, you need to fix that one. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will come alongside of us when we're looking at the Word of God or studying the Word, and he'll say, boop, boop, you need to check that one. You got a little, you got a little bit of anger in your heart that shouldn't be there. You got, you got a little bit of, of, of uh, a critical spirit, a little bit of gossip in there, a little bit of lust in there, and boop, boop, you need to check that, and you need to correct this thing. Amen? So it's good for reproof. It's good for correction. And then it says, good for instruction in righteousness. And so the word of God instructs us so that we bear good fruit for the kingdom of God. And here's the cool thing. When we bear good fruit for the kingdom of God, we look like Jesus. And when we look like Jesus, we are becoming more and more spiritually mature the way that he wants us to. The more we look like Jesus, the more founded we're going to be in our faith. Amen. And so these are the things the word of God does to us that sometimes we don't necessarily want the word of God to do to us. I want the word of God to justify me, to make me feel good. I, I like that David was talking about greasy grace a couple weeks ago. We want the greasy grace from the word of God, but we don't want the hard grace that changes our lives and shifts the direction of our lives and says, this is the way you need to go. Now walk that way. Well, I don't want to walk that way, Jesus. Boom. Reproof. You need to go that way. But I don't want to go that way. But that way is the way to find blessing and life and hope and joy and peace. And in the short term, it might cut your heart a little bit. In the short term, it might be dividing the soul and spirit a little bit, getting in there and messing with you. But in the long term, it brings you blessing and it brings you into spiritual maturity. Amen? So we have to be equipped by God's word. Number two is that you not only have to be equipped in God's word, but you cannot. This, this is where we get to the crux right now today. You cannot be equipped in God's word if you don't become founded in his word. To be equipped in the word, you have to be founded in the word. So there's a difference between knowing what God's word can do and, and doing something with God's word so that it does what it's meant to do. Now, I know that came out a little bit awkwardly. But just because you know what the Word of God can do doesn't mean the Word of God is doing that in your life. Right? I, I know the Word of God is given for instruction and doctrine and correction and reproof. And, and all the, I know that that's why it is given to me. But there's a whole difference in having the knowledge and then letting that actually happen in your life. 
And when we actually allow that to happen in our life, that's when we become founded. Amen? So we have to let God do what he wants to do in our lives. We have to let the word of God do its work in our lives. Amen? And so I want to just really, uh, you know me, I, I do weird things to try to get things across. And so I just want to share with you there are six ways this morning for you to get founded in the word of God. There are six different ways. Some of them are more powerful. Some of them are less powerful, okay? And, and by powerful, I don't mean the word of God, but I mean the way that it impacts us, okay? And so I'm just going to give you these, and we're going to talk about them real briefly. First of all, we hear the word of God. This morning, you are hearing the word of God. It's coming out of my mouth, and it's going in your ears. It came out of our songs, and it's going in your ears. You are hearing it. Secondly, we read the word of God. You're like, geez, did I have to come to church for this? Just hold on with me for a minute, okay? I already know this, Pastor. Hang with me. Then we need to study the word of God. We need to memorize the word of God. We need to meditate on the word of God, and then we need to apply the word of God. Now you're like, I know all of this stuff, but listen to me. I'm going I'm to get somewhere in a minute. Because the reason I put all this up here like this, David, can you come up here for a second? I'm, I'm going to have David help me out here a little bit. The thing about the Word of God is, is you know, some people, they'll, they'll come to church, and they'll be like, well, I went to church, so I got my, I got my fill of the Word of God, right? And so I, I, got, I got this, I heard it, I heard it, right? Now, come over here just for a second. So, so the Word of God is, is, is my pinky, right? It's my pinky. So I want you to put that, I'm going to put your pinky on there. Just stick your pinky right on there. And I want you to keep me from stealing that word from you. All right, so let's just try back. So let's say David's super spiritual. So he hears the word, but then he also adds into that that he reads the word. So, so give me two fingers on there today. Be careful. Be careful how you do these fingers, okay? So, so we're, we're only getting in trouble. So, so now I got two fingers. Now keep that word. Keep me from taking it, okay? A little bit harder that time. So let's say he hears it, he reads it, he studies it. Let's get three of those on there. All of a sudden, now it's going to start to get a little bit more intense. Okay? All right, good. Now he reads it, he hears it, he studies it, and he memorizes it. Give me four of those. Okay? Got four of those. Okay? Now, now it's getting a little bit more intense. Okay? Now we wrap that around there, and we're going to meditate on the Word of God a little bit. We're going to take all of those things. Okay? And then come along and say, now keep me from stealing that from you. Okay? It's very difficult to steal it away from them when you got all those wrapped around there. Okay? Thank you, David. And so here's the thing. The hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating, when you roll that forward and you begin to apply all of those things that you're learning all in this, then the Word of God cannot be stolen out of your life and out of your heart. It becomes, it becomes this is my word. Now, some, some of you know th this thing about this Bible. This Bible is uh, like 25 years old, and, and a couple years ago it like completely blew apart, and it was in like 10 different pieces, and, and, uh, and Joyce took it, and she found some monks over on the other side of Oregon, really, some monks on the other side of or Oregon that cover these. This is a treasure to me. Th this is probably one of the greatest treasures I have in my life is this particular Bible because I've been, I've been, around, I've been, I've been to other countries preaching the gospel with this Bible, I've been using this Bible almost my whole ministry. It's full of my notes and memories and all those kind of things. And I would not want you to take this away from me for anything. And so I guard this thing with my life. 
I, I, go, I, know where this, I know where this, I know where this is every second of my life. There's not a moment when I do not know where this particular Bible is because it's that important to me. You're, you're just not going to come and take it away from me. Okay, but see, that, that, that's a physical symbolism of what we do when we begin to get this into our heart, that, that we treasure that and we put it inside of us and then no one can take that away from us. And no matter what happens in my life, I can't be shaken because that word of God is living and active and powerful inside of me. And so let's talk about this very quickly. Number one, when we hear the word of God, when we hear Romans 10 verse 17 says this. You guys good? It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we hear it. Hearing the word of God is very important. Okay? It's very important. And so when you come to church or or whatever, but you listen to the radio or watching TV. Now, here's a crazy thing. When I, when I first got called into ministry, um, it was, was almost in sync with when I got married to Ann. And when we got married, we were dead broke. I mean, we're dead broke. And we got this little black and white TV, and there's, you know, we don't have no satellite, no cable, no nothing. We live up the river, 13 miles up the river in a single-wide mobile home that was falling apart. And that's what we had. And I started really getting called by God. And back then, it's weird when you're old like me. It's weird how things have changed. Because I remember back in those days that, that there, there was no access to, to Christian TV. We had radio here, thankfully. But really, I would go to church, and that's really all that I got is of the hearing. And once in a while, you go to a conference or something, and you hear them preach. And, and every once in a while, when it was super cool, somebody would get a, this thing, this black square thing called a, a videotape. And, and I could borrow the videotape, and I'd stick that in this thing called a VCR. And, and I could watch somebody, and I could listen to them preach. And that back then was like, wow, that's just like incredible because I don't get access to this all the time. And so, but now it's not like that anymore. Now you can hear the word of God anywhere, anytime, no matter what. If you have a phone, you can hear the word of God. Now, you've got to make sure that the word you're hearing is a good word because there's a lot of nonsense. But, but we've got live streams and we've got, you could go home today, jump on Facebook and probably watch 15 different church services. And probably most of them would be great, right? And, well, most of them would probably have all of these, like, what just happened there? Like, but anyway, so, but they're great, we have YouTube, and you got radio, and you got the Bible app, and you've got all sorts of different church apps, and, and you can listen to the Word of God anywhere at any time. And yet, weirdly, back then, uh, it seems like, at least in my life, sometimes I had more passion to hear the Word of God because I had less access to it than now when I have all the access in the world. It's like, oh, I could do that tomorrow. I could go to church next Sunday. I could listen to the live stream next week. I know, I know Pastor Trevor in North Bend, he's probably preaching a great message today, but, ah, yeah, whatever. We, we, we don't realize the power of the access that we have to hear the word of God. And so when we do that, we lose out on one of those things God has given us to help the word be founded inside of us. Amen. And so we have to say, God, I want to get into your word. Now, here's the discouraging part of hearing the word of God. Are you guys still doing all right? The discouraging part of hearing the word of God for a pastor it's a little inside baseball for your pastor here, is that they say that we forget about 95% of what we hear in just about 72 hours. Somebody tell, who was here last week? Here or watched on live stream, either one. Okay, you got your hands up. 
what was my text from last week? It was not. Might as well start at the beginning, though. Matthew, was it Mark? Was it Luke? Was it John? It was Ephesians. That was only one week ago, and nobody in this room remembers what my text was from last week. So the, the thing about hearing the Word of God is that hearing is the least impacting way to, to receive the Word of God because we forget 95% of it, right? And so we, we hear it, and that's good, and it's important because it says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So we have to hear it, but we also have to understand that just like your little pinky, the hearing is probably the least effective way for you to get that deep down into your heart. God's desire for the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel is not, not, everybody say not, not that you would come and hear my message today and then go out and say, I've done it. Because it doesn't matter how great, it doesn't matter if Jesus Christ himself is up here preaching this message today, you'll probably forget 95% of it by next week because that's how we are as human beings. The way God has designed the preaching and the teaching is that you hear it, you receive it, and then you go do something with it. So it does not end with the hearing. It ends with the applying. Folks, what was my opening text this morning? Boom. You're listening. You're listening. Okay? So he probably knew. He's like, he's going to ask that question. I know he is. All right, so that's great. Awesome. Listening. See, there's a difference between hearing and listening. You, you guys know I run a lot because I blow up, and so i got to run, so I don't. I'll talk to you about that. And most of the time when I'm running, I'm listening to a podcast. I'm listening to a sermon or teaching or something like that. And it's amazing how many times I'm running along, and I will hear them say something and then be like, that seemed like that was really important, and I have no idea what they just said. I heard every single thing that went in my ear. My brain comprehended that that's what was going in my ear, but I don't know what they were saying because I was thinking about when I get home and I'm going to get a shower and i got to get over to the church and, and i, I got to make a phone call today and i gotta, I got a message and i got to fix the website and i got to do all that. So you're hearing, but you're not listening. And so while I'm running, I pull out my phone and I run it back, and it's crazy because sometimes I'll do it six or seven times. Because I'll run it back, and then by the time it gets back to that spot again, my mind has already went off squirrel. Right? And so I'll run it back, and then by the time I get back, then my mind has run off again. See, you can improve your hearing of the Word of God by making sure that you come eager and ready to hear. I'd very much encourage you when you come to church on Sunday, don't make the sermon or the worship the first interaction with God you have in the day. Get up before, before you take a shower or any of that and just get in the Word and just spend some time in prayer and say, God, help me to be ready when I go in so that we don't come in here and prime, try to prime the pump in the worship. Come on, everybody, let's get it going. And then by the time we get done with the message, we're just getting ramped up. Get ramped up and say, Lord, I want to be ready to hear your word. When I come in today, I'm going to be ready to hear it. Number two, deal with attitudes that prevent you from hearing. If you've ever been in a church service or something like that, and probably not you because you guys are all perfectly spiritual. It's just your center pastor here. You go in, and the way the music is or the way the person preaches or the way the person talks, and you're like, oh, man, I'm these guys, what does this guy have to tell me? And you close your mind. And you don't hear what God wants to say to you. Because sometimes God can say things to you through the most unlikely vessels. 
That, that, that preacher that you're listening to that is the most boring, this is the most boring sermon I have ever heard, will somewhere in the middle of that drop a bomb on you that will rebuke you, reprove you, instruct you, right, challenge you. But we close our minds off because of all these different things. We have to open up and say, okay, God, I need you to speak to me today. Amen. Um, so we can uh, also we can confess any sin in our life. Very important. Get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your heart, for it has the power to save your souls. Where's the connection in that verse between to, in what, what gives us the ability to humbly accept the word? What is it? Get rid of all the filth. Get rid of all the filth so that you can humbly accept the word of God. If, if you want to accept the word of God, if you think about this in terms of like a glass or something, if that glass is full of filth, there's no way that you can get the pure water into it. Right? If you want to get the pure water into it, you have to dump out the filth, clean the glass, and then put the pure water in. It's the same in our lives. If our lives are full of sin and, and apathy and, and compromise and, and all of those things, and we're not allowing the word of God to reprove us and correct us, then there's no room for the humble word to come in and make a difference in our life. So he says, confess your sins. Get all that garbage out of your life so that you can receive the word of God the way it was meant to be received. Uh, the next one that we want to talk about is take notes on what you hear. Now, I know some of you take the notes that we make here and some of you don't. The, the reason I do those is not so you can remember how awesome I am, but so that six months down the road when you open up your Bible and there are those notes, you can remember what it is that we talked about. Because by next Sunday, 95% of what I'm telling you today, you're not going to remember. But you can pull out the notes and say, oh, yeah, that's right. It was 2 Timothy 3.16. Seems like an important verse. Maybe I ought to study that. So take notes on what it is that you're hearing. Uh, uh, confess any sin, act on what you hear. This is the biggest one. Act on what you hear. Do something with it. James 1.22, don't just listen to the God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. Amen. Number two, we not only hear the word of God, but we read God's word. That's what I call the daily dose. Everybody say daily dose. How often should I read the word of God? Daily. Every day. Every day I should be in the word of God. And, and you say, well, how do I get into the Word of God? How do I do that? You do that by reading the Word of God. I, now, listen. This, this, is where, this is where I, as a pastor, know what I'm about to say is the, one of the most important things you will ever hear in your life. But I also know that many people will always go, yeah, but. You need to be in a systematic reading program in the Bible. Well, that's just boring. That's just religion. That's just, no, it's not. You need to be in a systematic reading of the Bible. Now, now you say, why do I do that? Because over the course of time, th this is one of them things. It's like tithes and offerings. It's like, well, I did that for two weeks, and it didn't make a difference in my life. Yes, two weeks is probably not going to make that big of a difference. But when you get into a reading plan that is consistent and it begins to go from days to weeks to months to years to decades, it will change your life. But those are things you cannot know until you're doing that. And so when I say you need to be in a systematic reading plan, people go, well, I read the Bible. I just kind of get up in the morning and I flip it open and I just read it wherever it's going. You're not going to be. No, you can do that because it's all inspired by God. But it's not going to help you truly begin to grow in your faith. 
It's not going to be able to give you a full accounting of what God's Word has to you. Because what will we do when we study the Word like that? We're always going to kind of navigate to what it is that we want to read and what we want to study. Like, I've got my favorite verses. you got your favorite verses. We'll always roll back to those. And so when you read the Bible systematically and read it and read it and read it, it gets you out of your little slump and out of your little your, your divots that you put yourself in, and it puts you in a place where you're getting the whole counsel of God's Word. So, so how do I say? Now, listen, after my family, this is not just preaching stuff here today. This is what I do every day I get up. Oh, you think you're great. I don't think I'm great. I think I'm a loser. That's why I have to do this. Because I'll fall flat on my face when I stop doing this. I know this about me. So I know that I have to be in the Word of God because the Word of God keeps me on the road and the path I need to be on. So I get up every morning and I read. And and really, there's some plans back there on the table. If you don't have one, we'll make more if we run out. Just to read. And that plan right there only takes you 15 minutes, probably 20. 30 minutes if you're a horrible reader. 30 minutes. And you'll you'll read through the entire Bible in a year. For for a lot of people, it takes 10, 15 minutes to read that and just meditate on that for a little bit. And it it will change everything in your life. You have to be in it every day. And you say, well, if I'm in it every day, that doesn't give me any time to study it. Okay, how do I have time to study? Because you not only hear it and you not only read it, but you also have to add in the study. But the reading and the studying do not go hand in hand. Does that make any sense? No pun intended. You can read it, but there's a difference between reading it and studying it. When you read it, you're putting it inside of you, and that's good, but studying it begins to open it up and make it come to its full meaning, which brings us to the third thing there is that we have to study, which is called the deep dive. Everybody say the deep dive. You got the daily dose, daily dose, everybody, and the deep dive. You got to have both of those things. And the deep dive is where you get in and you really start studying the Word of God. You got to be a Berean. You got to be a Berean. You better be a Berean in this church. If you come into this church and you just accept what I say because of who I am and because I got a piece of paper on the wall in there that says I'm a preacher, then you're wrong. You do not come in here and just take what I say and say, well, he said it, so it must be right. You better be going and making sure what I'm saying is right. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11 It says the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message, and they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. The apostle Paul. Now, if you think that I shouldn't say, go and make sure what I'm saying is true, they've got the apostle Paul teaching them, and they went, man, that sounds fantastic, Paul. Let's go over here and let's make sure that this is what it is. Right? I, I'm, I won't say who, I, I didn't ask for permission, but I was just talking to someone the other day, and you'll know who you are, and said, man, I've been, I've been, reading, I've been reading through the Bible, and the reason I read through it is because people say all sorts of stuff, and I just wanted to see it for myself. It's like, that's exactly what you need to do. It doesn't matter if it's me or the Apostle Paul or, or uh, uh, you know, Stephen Furtick or whoever, whatever pastor you may listen to. You need to go back and you need to dig in. And then the other thing about the deep dive Bible study is that sometimes you may be going through your daily, I'm just reading through, I'm reading through, and God will illuminate a passage to you. 
and you keep on reading through, but you stop and you come back and you take some time to dig into that passage. Keep on reading it through, but take some time to dig into that passage. And when you do that, what do we do? We begin to put the word in us so that it cannot be stolen away from us. Amen? So um, I, I, I like this Rick Warren uh, pastor. He said, the difference between Bible reading and Bible study is the presence of a pen. Because the difference between reading and studying is when you pull out your notes and you not only just reading over it, but you start digging in. You start finding out the who's, the what's, the why's, the when's, the how's. What does this word mean? What does this phrase mean? What did this mean when they said it to those people back then? And what does it mean to me today? Amen? So they had, they, they, you, we have to study, 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 study. Again, do not lean on me or anybody else to do your Bible study for you. It's why I give notes to everything I do pretty much. It's because it's here's what I've got. Now you take it and go do something with it. You go figure out what I missed. Because guaranteed in a 45-minute message or something, I'm going to miss something. And you'll go back and you'll hit it. When we were in Revelation study a few weeks ago, uh, I was teaching. I don't say this for like pats on the back sake. It's just it, it is truth that I'll spend dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of hours putting those studies together by the time the notes get to you. And and probably, I'm, I'm saying this for other reasons than you probably think, but I probably, I'll probably look in 20 commentaries, and I pray over it, and I study over it, and I do word studies, and I do all that kind of stuff. And I come out here, and I give the notes, and I start teaching. And I, I pull out of here, and Josh calls me. He's like, hey, man, when you were uh, pre teaching tonight, I saw this thing in my notes. And it was a thing that I had never even seen, and it was really amazing. It was really good. And it's like, I spent all this time studying this. And then he's like, oh, look what you, look what you missed. But you know what? That's good. That's exactly what should be happening. It's, I love it when people come up and say, oh, man, you, you were teaching about this thing, and here's this thing that I learned, or here's this thing that I saw, and it's something that I've never heard or saw because, you know what, that strengthens and helps my faith. And so we have to dig into the word for ourselves. Don't rely on other people. Let them help you and maybe push you down the road a little bit, but you have to take that and do something with it. Amen? we got to keep moving. Number four, you have to memorize the word of God. Now, you might say, why should I memorize it when I could just open it up and I can look at it? Right? I'll just open it up and read it. Why do I need to memorize it? Well, let me just give you these. I'm going to read straight through. It helps me resist temptation when it's in my heart. Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It helps me make wise decisions. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It brings comfort and sadness and discouragement. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight. It helps me share my faith with unbelievers. If someone asks you hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. If somebody asks you your hope as a believer, are you going to be able to pull out your Bible and go, oh, well, you know, because most of the times those encounters don't happen when you're studying. Most of those times are going to happen when you're at work or when you're at the Walmart or when you're walking down the street and God puts someone in front of you and you say, well, you know, I know the word of God can help you. I'm not sure how. Let me go find a Bible. It's got to come out of your heart. Your word is a lamp into my feet, a light into my feet, lamp, light into my, you know what I just, I read it. Lamp into my feet, light into my path. It wanted to come out of just buffering, buffering in the brain. 
When I'm walking through my life, it's the word of God I put in my heart. It says, do I go this way or do I go that way? Do I make this decision? Do I say this? Do I not say this? Is my attitude right here? Is my attitude not right here? When you, when you get into a situation and you're arguing with your spouse or you're arguing with your kids or you're arguing with somebody, do you want to go back and you go, well, all right, let's, stop. let's go back in the Word and see what it says about anger. It's when you got that attitude and the Spirit of God rises up and says, hey, you need to knock that off. In your anger, do not sin. Boop. It's got to come out of you. Amen. That's why you memorize it. Now, on your notes, there's some helpful scriptures to memorize, if you want, and some, and some ideas on how to do that. Because some people are like, I can't do it. Listen, I'm just going to say this right here. If you say you can't memorize scripture, you're probably lying. Because anybody can memorize something. How many of you, how many of you know your phone number? Probably most everybody. If you can memorize your phone number, you can start memorizing scripture. Right? How many of you, how, if you, if you have a job, you go to work, and every day when you go to work, you got to read the manual over again to figure out how to do your job that day? I'm, I'm telling the truth, am I not? What, what if every day, every day, you know, you got a carpenter. Every day, you got to go on and watch all the carpentry videos. And every day you got to go open up the book, and here's how you measure, and here's how you use a saw, and a and, uh, skill saw. What do I do with this? I got to go open up the manual and figure out how to use my skill saw today because I don't know how. I should probably do that because I was helping my dad a few weeks ago, and I cut a thing, and I, I dropped my saw on the ground because I was trying to hurry, and it chopped right through my electric cord. I, I just go, have you ever heard it do that? And I look down, and it's like, well, there's that. If you can remember how to do your job, you can memorize the Word of God. You got your favorite recipe that no one, you don't need to know. You don't need to look at the cookbook to know how to cook that recipe. If you can remember the recipe, you can memorize the Word of God. It's all about whether it's a priority or not. It's not whether we can do it or not. We can all memorize it. And maybe some can memorize chapters and books, and maybe some can memorize just a few verses. But listen to me, we can all do it. It's just a matter of whether we want to. Number five, we have to meditate on the word of God. And I'm trying to hurry here. Psalm 1, verse 2 and 3. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees. Now watch this. What are we talking about being founded, right? They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season, and their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Look at these benefits here just real quick, and then we're just going to roll right on. Those who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night are like trees planted. They're always bearing fruit. How many trees do you know that bear fruit every single season? There's not very many. Maybe there's some. I'm not a super gardener or anything. I'm sure there are plants that maybe bloom all the time. But listen to me. There are very few that bear fruit in every season. But it says that those who meditate and delight in the Lord, they will bear fruit in every season. It says their, uh, their, their roots will go deep. Their trees planted along a riverbank. The reason that's there is because their roots grow deep, right? It says that they will, uh, their leaves will never wither. You're never going to get knocked out. You're never going to get knocked off because even when you're going through the rough time, even when you're going through the storm because your roots are so deep, you will not be knocked over. Amen? 
And then it says they will, what does it finally say there? They will prosper in all they do. You want to prosper in all that you do? Listen, the word of God tells us we can prosper in all that we do. No, I don't think anybody has that kind of mindset. I'm going to prosper in everything I do. My marriage will prosper. As a parent, I'm going to prosper. As an employee or a boss, I'm going to prosper. I'm going to prosper in my walk with God. I'm going to prosper in my personal life. I'm going to prosper in my gifts. I'm going to prosper in my callings. What do we do? Well, I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. I, I don't know if our marriage, I don't know if we can fix the marriage. I don't know if my kids are too messed up. I don't know. I don't know if I can do this church thing. I don't know if I can memorize the word of God. I don't know if I can do anything. Prosper in all that you do by meditating on the word of God, right? And so we have to memorize that word, and we have to not only memorize it, but meditate on it. Now, what is meditating? And I'm, I'm coming to a close here. Meditation is focused thinking about a Bible. I'm going to say this because meditation has a weird connotation because there's a whole lot of New Age mumbo-jumbo nonsense that's wrapped up in meditation, okay? I'm not talking about that. But, but oftentimes the, the crazy, culty, new age stuff makes us shy away when we hear the word meditation. We go, no, meditation's a bad thing. No, the word of God tells us all over we need to meditate on it. But what does it mean for us, okay? Meditation is focused thinking on a Bible verse that speaks to you in order to apply its truth to your own life. Okay? Again, we might say, man, I don't know if I can do that. Psalm 1, verse 2 and 3. I'm just going to sit and I'm just going to meditate and think on that. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I know how to meditate. I don't know if I can do it. Listen, how many of you ever worry? Have you ever worried about anything? I know I'm preaching some stuff today. I'm not jumping off the chairs or anything today, but I think it's still good. If you have mastered worrying, you have mastered the art of meditation. Yes. Now you just got to take it. Now you take the thing that you're stressed about and you, and you put the word of God in that same place. Don't change anything about what you're doing. Just remove what it is that you're thinking about. Right? If you're worrying, what does the Bible say? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. But your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. Matthew chapter 6. So when I'm worried, I move out what I'm worried about, and I move in Matthew chapter 6, and I just ponder on that for a while, then all of a sudden, I've meditated on that, and all of a sudden, God starts to rise up in me. God starts to change. And, and maybe that situation hasn't changed at all. The thing that you're worrying about hasn't changed at all, but your attitude has changed. Your perspective has changed, right? Change, right? I'm taking away your right to worry, and we don't like that. All right, so, so meditation is focused thinking on a Bible verse that speaks to you in order to apply that truth to your life. So, again, what are the, and I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read all these verses, okay? So you can read them. That's why I've given you notes. The benefits of meditating on God's word. It's the key to becoming like Christ. What did we start with last week? What is spiritual maturity? What is spiritual maturity? Spiritual maturity is becoming more like Christ. It's super simple. 
We, we think it's you got to do this, this, and this, ten things, and then maybe I can come to church. Spiritual maturity is just becoming more like Christ. Hurry up. Hurry up, Tom. Okay. If you want to become like Christ, you meditate on the word of God. Um, it's the key to answered prayer. In John 13, it says, if you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. That's a dangerous verse. Because we'll take that verse and we'll twist it. And we'll say, well, I meditated on the word for one hour, so I'm going to ask God for anything I want. Lord, I want a new Bentley. I want a new Ford F-150 jacked up, four-wheel drive, power stereo, all that. And you said you would give it to me because I meditated on your word. That's not what it means. Because when I meditate on the word of God, what I'm meditating on are the things of God. And God has no problem giving me the things that are important to him. I just gave you a nugget. The reason you can ask, it's the same as delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. He doesn't give you the desires of your heart just because you ask. It's because you delight in him. And when you delight in him, he has no problem giving himself to you. Amen? That's good. That's good. Go study John 15. It is the key to successful living. John, Joshua 1.8. Study the book of instruction continually. How, how often? Oh, good. I didn't have my glasses. I want to make sure that's what it said, right? Continually. I think that probably means daily. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then. If you're taking notes, you should circle or underline or highlight only then. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. You guys see the pattern there? That, that prospering thing is connected to meditating on the word of God. Uh, then let's go to number six. You have to not only do all those things that we talked about, but you have to apply the word of God. You don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Okay. Let me just give you this, and then we're going to pray. Um, because the only way I can really do this is just to give it to you, and then you have to go do something with it. Because what we're about to say, it's all in your notes. You're going to have it, but it's not that you have it. It's what you do with it. If you want to have good application of the word of God, here, here's, here's some tips, okay? If you want to have good application, you've got to find the point, the principle, and the personalization. Now, listen, I know I'm doing a lot more teaching today than preaching, but this is really, really important, okay? You have to find the point, the principle, and the personalization. Now, now what is that? First, you've got to ask yourself, what did it mean to the people that were hearing it? That's one of the most important things that I think we overlook. When Jesus is talking, most of the time he's talking to, who's he talking to? Jews or Gentiles? Jews. And so don't you suppose it would be important to figure out when he was saying things to the Jews, how they would have received that, because we would receive it in a completely different way. Does that make any sense? Now, that doesn't make it any more or less uh, applicable in our lives because maybe you're not Jewish. It's just that it gives you a perspective. So when Jesus is talking about the temple to them, they're going to have a completely different perspective on what he's saying than we would because we've never had to go worship at a temple. So we want to look at the verses we're reading, the passages, and we want to read them in context. I don't have time for that today, but you got to read it in context and use what when Paul was talking to the Ephesians, what was going on in Ephesus? When Paul was talking to the Corinthians, when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, what was her perspective? 
We read, we read the story of the woman at the well. It's like, well, there's a woman at the well, and he's looking for people that worship him, spirit and truth. That's, that's where it's at. But listen to me. Here's a woman at the well who had six husbands or boyfriends or, or whatever it was that she had and probably was living in some shame. And she's not even one of the, the special people, the Jewish people. She's one of those people. So we don't even think about those things. And Jesus comes to her and says, you are important and you're special. And, and, and there's, there's a reason for you. There's a calling on your life. That's different than the way I read it. So what did it mean to them when they heard it? What is the underlying unchanging principle? When we do read that verse, what is the principle that's always going to make sense no matter what? It's always going to apply. Therefore, do not worry saying. It doesn't matter who Jesus said that to. That applies to everybody at all times. Right? So what's the underlying principle? I know you guys are all checking out on me, but hold in. We're almost there. Then ask this. Where or how can I practice this principle? Now that I've heard it, now that I've studied it and I've focused in and I've microscoped it out, what am I supposed to do with it? One time, you guys heard this story. Um, I was going to school to learn counseling. It was, it was in a Christian school. And, and uh, I'm sure there's application for what I'm about to say, so I don't want to, like, it's just where I was at that particular moment. So I heard a lot of things during that time that were, like, ah, oh, man, this this doesn't line up with my faith and and these different principles of counseling and all that stuff. And it's, but you got to go through it to, to pass the class, right, and all that stuff. So this one particular day, I don't know if I was in a mood or whatever it was, but we were role-playing counseling. And so the, the teacher and this other person were up there, and they were kind of going through this role-play. And, and uh, she says, so tell me where you – I forget what the scenario was, but they were depressed or something. Tell me where you feel that pain in your body. And I'm like, oh. she's like, well, you know, I feel it in my shoulder. And I'm sitting there, and then it just, and so I, I raise my hand. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with that information? What am I supposed to do with, you tell me it hurts, your, your eyeball hurts. When you're talking to me about how you were traumatized when you were a child, how does, how does that apply to what we're And the teacher says, I don't know. It was just a thing in the book, so I thought I'd throw it out there. No, I'm sure there's application for it. But listen, the point that I'm trying to make here is you can have all of these ideas and all of these things and, and all of that stuff, but unless you do something with it, it's all moot. Nothing I'm talking about today makes any difference to you whatsoever. Well, you don't think much of yourself, do you, Tom? No, I think, I think a lot of God in me, but that's not the point. You lay all this out there, and then you go and don't do anything with it. So, so when, you're, when you're hearing and reading and studying and memorizing and meditating, you got to come to that application because that's where you seal the deal. And you say, okay, now, how do, how, what's good application? I'm going to say this and I'm going to pray when you're applying the word of God, you have to say I and not we or you. I, I love in CR, I don't know if this is a CR thing, but I hear it a lot there. You need to, um, you need to, uh, oh, it just went out of my brain. Well, it's not the I, me statement. It's the, it's the tend to your own stuff. You, you have a statement about that. But um, I forget what it is, but let me say it this way. 
Put out your own dumpster fire. That's not what they say. They have a thing. Tend to your own side of the grass. Or I, my brain just shut off. But instead of being like, boy, I, you, that's a good word right there for Doug. Doug, I sure hope you get this word today because this word is for you, buddy. Because you need a little, you need some reproof. You need some correction. You need some instruction. You can't do that when you're applying. You can't apply the word of God for somebody else. You have to say, this is my dumpster fire. And when the word of God is correcting me, it's correcting me. And I can't put that. Yeah, but Lord, the reason I'm this way is because of my wife. Shapow. No, you're like that because you're you. So how about we leave her out of that? And, and uh, she's not in here, so I said it. I said it. I said it boldly. All right, so point I'm trying to make is you can't apply the word of God for somebody else. You can only apply it to yourself. So you have to say, God, what do you want to do in me with this word? Number two, it's practical. Now, this is a weird one. Excuse me. I need to do what I can that I need to trust God for, which means I may not be able to do everything that he's telling me to do, but I do need to do what I can do. Because what I do in the natural will open me up to the supernatural. Man, that was way better. Nobody got that one. What I do in the natural will open me up to the supernatural. When I make a decision to say, okay, God, I, I, I have an anger problem. And, and I, I can't seem to control my anger problem. But I'm going, to, I'm going to try my best to submit my life to your word, which says in, do not be angry in sin. And my anger is not really the problem. It's what I do when I'm angry that's the problem. And so I'm going to do everything I can in my power to, to bring myself into alignment with your word. Forgive me for being uh, angry and sinning. Forgive me for that. And when I step into that, then all of a sudden he comes in and begins to give me grace. He begins to put his grace on me to be able to do the thing I can't do when I try to step into the thing that I know I need to do. I want to preach more on that, but it's late, so I'm stuck. My possible opens me up to God's possible. My, my possible opens me up to God's possible. Those two, it's practical and possible, go together. Because my possible always leads to impossible. I know it's late and I'm two minutes from being done, so please just catch this part. My possible will always end at impossible. Does that make sense? Whatever is possible for me is going to come to an end at some point. I will run up with the, uh, against the wall of something that is impossible for me to do. But when I do my possible, what I can do, I tap myself into God who has no end to what is possible for him. Because his word says all things are possible. So my anger, my lust, my marriage, my kids, my life, my job, my whatever, when I'm beating my head against the wall saying, Lord, I can't do what I need to do. When you do what you can do, you open yourself up to his possible that is impossible for you. And then I would say this, and I just threw this one on the end. It's got to be provable. And what do I mean by that? Because sometimes the spiritual maturity takes a long time. But you ought to be growing in a way that you can look and say, Here's how I've grown in the last year. Right? Here's how I've grown in the last year. My anger was my anger was at 100 last year and maybe it's a 50 this year, but at least that's improved. At least I'm going in the right direction. Maybe I was struggling with this sin last year, maybe I completely overcame that sin. Maybe I completely overcame that addiction. Maybe maybe my my marriage has been healed. Maybe my my kids and my relationship is getting better. 
But we ought to be able to look and say, okay, how am I growing in my walk with God? Because if you don't know what the target is, you never know when you hit it. The, the last thing I'm going to say here, and then we're praying. I, I love to shoot. Shooting is fun for me. Yesterday we went out and shot. But it's only fun to shoot if you have something to shoot at. So we'll take out bottles and cans and targets and, and whatever because you have to have something to aim at. Because if you just go out there and shoot into the dirt, that's no fun. You want to be able to say, you see that? I hit that target every time. You see that? We, we wanna, but we think that we don't do that in our, in our spiritual walk. I'm just going to float along. I'm just going to float along. How do you know if you're growing or not? So that's one of those things that, and I'll leave you with this. That's one of those things that you don't want to get too overly hyper-focused on because then you roll yourself into legalism. But you ought to be able to say, I can see that in the last year I grew in this area. Or for the next year to say, here's where I need to grow, and I'm going to focus in on this area so that I can grow. So when I come to this time next year, I can say I move forward in my life. Amen? I'm done. So you put up with me for a long time today. I appreciate it. So, Father, I just come to you right now. I thank you for your word, that your word, uh, as it says, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, that your word reproves us, that your word corrects us, that your word instructs us, and that your word prospers us. And that's the end result of all the reproof and correction instruction is that we would prosper in the things of God, that we would walk in your way and we would walk victorious and that, that in the days ahead if we're facing battles and, and uncertainty in the world that we always have a sure foundation in you and in your word because your spirit backs up your word in my life. So Lord, I just pray a simple prayer here as we're leaving that this year that you would allow the word of God to change us, to change me and to change us. Lord, that we would take, take these notes or take what we know and just begin to dig, to begin uh, to get real about daily focusing in and spending time daily in your word, to stop making excuses saying we can't because it's not true, anyone can do it, and that we would focus in on you and let your word lead us, change us, guide us, be the lamp to us, bring us joy, bring us hope, bring us peace. And I thank you for that. And I realize that today that this message is not a message that, that really the response is immediate right now, that there's something to do, but it's a lifestyle decision we need to make. So I pray for everyone in this room right now that we make that decision. Lord, for those that are already digging and already studying and already reading the Word every day, I just pray that you would continue to illuminate and, and grow them and let that time be fruitful with you and your Spirit. We thank you for that. Lord, as we're leaving today, as I always do, I ask for everyone that's here and listening, Lord, that you would bless them and keep them. You cause your face to shine on them. That you be gracious to them. Show them favor this week and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen.